0: What's happening, you fat bastards? This is Mike, and this is Adrian, and you're listening to Podcast Croissant. All right, episode one. Here we go. Yeah, this
1: this sounds very uh, very familiar, Mike. Yeah, it's like we've been here before, as, as as if we actually literally
0: have been here doing this before. <laughs> yeah we have already recorded this first episode and it didn't go too well with the the audio and a few technical issues so we're doing it again so we're just gonna push on and tell you a little bit about us we are a faith no more focused podcast talking all things faith no more faith no more related we're going to talk about the albums live shows members of the band Possibly go down the road of talking about side projects, anything related to Faith No More, we'll be talking about it, Uh, but we're going to be very much sort of, I guess you could say, community-focused, listener-focused, really looking for people to uh, contact us and be in touch with us and uh, interact with the show as well, so... We do have an email, it's podcastcroissant at gmail.com. We've got a Twitter, which is podcroissant, that's P-O-D croissant. There's an Instagram and a Facebook, both podcastcroissant, so you can find us on all of those. Yeah, man, but Adrian, why don't you tell the listeners who you are? I understand you've written a book.
1: Yeah, I think some of the the listeners, I hope most of the listeners might know me from the book that came out this September called Small Victories, the definitive biography of uh, Fate No More. I think we'll be talking about the book more uh, later or in later episodes. So we won't, uh, won't delve too much into it now. Before that, some, some of you might know me from the Fate the More 2.0, uh, Fate No More fan site, which launched in 2009. Kind of became almost the unofficial voice of the band for a time. Became a, a rallying point, a meeting place for Fate No More fans in the early days of the reunion. Um, I'm from Ireland, I live in Switzerland. Um, I generally don't listen to podcasts, but I have I've been doing quite a few interviews for podcasts and radio stations in the in the last uh, few months. So uh, I'm getting used to the idea, and um, I'm being guided in the process here by by, uh, by Mike.
0: Has that been, has that sort of planted the seed for you that you're starting to take any interest in listening to
1: podcasts, or is it still something that you haven't actively gotten involved with? I've been listening to a few music ones, yeah, because. Well, before you go on a podcast, you have to know what they're talking about as well, so what their yeah. style is. But yeah, I'm probably more receptive to the idea than I was before. Um, treating them more as radio shows. I don't think I'm going to get into the listening to make making a, was it serial and uh, making a mortar? making a murder. I don't know those procedural ones. I don't think yeah. I'm ready. I don't think I'm ready for them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I was reading a, an article in the New Yorker last week because I read the New Yorker regularly, as you, I'm sure, most people do. Um, you know, being a facetious there, but <laughs> yeah, they were they were they were looking at the podcast phenomenon, which has probably gone on about ten years. And I, I thought this the, the, one one line uh, stuck with me, and I think it's definitely going to apply to podcast Poisson. Uh, I said podcasts are unusual in their commitment to a slow build and to a sensual atmosphere, and I think that's something we'll definitely right. So on.
0: that's something that we can yeah we can we can take that on board. I think by can... by
1: episode. 211
0: we might have got to that slow build and sensual atmosphere we might find our groove yeah well and the other thing i wanted to say is because you're there in geneva and yes. i'm here in sydney so your rock and roll hour it's just hit midnight yeah and I'm, midnight, I'm sitting yeah. here at, yeah i'm sitting here at 10 o'clock in the morning in sydney having coffee feeling very un-rock and roll and still feel like i'm waking up on a saturday morning so this will be a, an interesting thing to maintain but it will be an enjoyable journey, nonetheless. Yeah, there's a short window of opportunity that we can actually speak to each other and do this. And we've we've actually found a way to communicate, too, where we actually say, my Friday, your, your Saturday. At least it's both Saturday for us now.
1: It is Saturday now, yes. Saturday morning for both of us. That's good. That works. Yeah.
0: Well, you've certainly earned yourself tons of credibility in relation to the band, and something for the listeners to know is that we otherwise don't really know each other and that's part of the journey I guess that we're going to be getting to know each other down the road as we talk about faith no more and everything related and how we feel about the band and our insights and opinions on the band so as much as uh listeners might get to know us through this podcast you and i will be getting to know each other as well which i'm really looking forward to And we've actually saved having too many conversations outside the focus on this podcast as well so that's that's
1: interesting yeah and i think it's, it's representative of, of, of you know what faith no more are for for people they're the bringing people together around the world as a quite a active Fighting more fan community, there always has been since I don't know the mid nineties or so. So you know, people have got to know each other in Australia, in Chile, in the US, in Europe. So uh, you know, that's just continuing that tradition for us.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's certainly already a pre-existing community internationally. Interesting as well, the the fact that their their weakest. Fan base exists in their home country. It's the it's the surrounding countries, and especially the Europe and Australia and uh, parts of South America as well are, are, are far more supportive of Faith No More and much bigger fans than the US themselves. Yeah, I know. There's
1: no shortage of Die Hard fans in the states, but in general, yeah, probably per capita is definitely less. From media, media interest is definitely lower than in you know the uk or germany or south america or australia as i've learned yet again while trying to promote the book over the last few months
0: yeah i was going to say has that reflected in book sales
1: I might, more or less in sales but definitely on definitely on, um, interest in interest and promotional activities There's definitely been much more interest mm. in, in the uk germany a little bit in australia south america especially yeah so uh, yeah it is a bit of a a barren a barren place for uh for Faith No More, the U.S., but we'll we'll get to that, I think, at some Mm. stage in the podcast.
0: Yeah, and something I wanted to say, too, is that by no means do I feel, and I don't know, we haven't talked about it, but by no means do I feel as if this podcast is any kind of, I wouldn't call it an addendum, or I wouldn't call it uh, related to the book in any other way than it's about Faith No More, and I think as we go on, just episode by episode, talking about those specifics. It's going to be your existing insight into what you already know about the band, but it's also going to be far more personal that we're going to be talking about how we directly feel about it. So it's going to be far more subjective, I imagine, as well. So anyone who's interested in Faith No More's history, especially a deep dive into who they are as a band coming up right from the early days it's certainly if you haven't already it's certainly a book worth getting your hands on because man i learned so much
1: in reading that yeah and uh, and yeah. props to you a lot of people said that the band have said that people have said that uh it works, it's worked the other way for me i think as well i've you know spoken to a lot of fans at events and you know online as well and and they've given me kind of different insights as well so we, you know not every insight into an interpretation of every Fate No More album or song or concert is in the book. You know, there are always fresh perspectives that can be explored. So I think we can do this ourselves in the podcast, but we're also, as we said, very interested to hear from other fans out there on, on their takes on Fate No More. And hopefully there'll be some fresh Fate No More news to keep us occupied as well. Yeah, definitely. And I th- I think too that the, the
0: biggest. Uh string the biggest foundation throughout the book is Bill Gould's relation just Bill Gould's passion and vision for the band right from the start and how they were coming up in the early days uh with their sound and what their influences were and those core members of Mike Borden and uh, Roddy Bottom as well the three of them and the, the the sound that they created gave me far greater appreciation for how much work went into what they were doing I guess you could say before EPIC, before Patton became a part of the band, how much, you know, because that's when they exploded and they certainly had a a very solid chunk of years with Chuck Mosley. But right before they exploded with Patton, they had this huge foundation and so much work went into that and it really made me appreciate the hard work, especially that Bill Gould had put in in getting the band to arrive at where they
1: ultimately did. Yeah. I agree, and uh, that was that was definitely one of the motivations, one of the uh, the themes of the book was to try to make that clear. Without denigrating the contribution of Patton, I think we all know Patton's abilities and influence on the band. But you know, there was a fate and war before that, and it started with those three guys, and that's uh, mm. you know and that's something we'll explore in, in in further episodes as well, I think. Um,
0: yeah I, I want to keep I want to keep saying things and asking more questions, but i I think ultimately we will arrive at doing an episode about the book where we might invite people to write in, frequently ask questions and get people to write in with things that they'd like to know about your insights through the process of writing the book too. So that's something I'd invite right from now, anyone listening. if you've got questions about that journey of the book, then you know, once once we get in our groove and we're, we're finding our way with this, it would be great to have a dedicated Small Victories episode.
1: Sounds great, Mike. Yeah. Look forward to that one. Me too. Yeah. Uh, so we waffled on quite a bit about me. Um, uh, Mike, as we know, is in Australia. Um, Mike, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself.
0: Yeah. Well, we've just delved into the credibility and the background that you have and the relationship with the band and talking subjectively my relationship with faith no more is just a kid that fell in love with them at the start of epic and we're going to talk about how we came into knowing faith no more but i just deep dove into faith no more from the moment i heard them and i every newspaper article magazine article anything i could find out about the band as well as whatever recordings i could get my hands on uh, it was just it was an obsession and I was a, a wild fanboy right up until right up until 98 when they when they broke up and even after that I just sought out whatever I could so my knowledge comes far just from that standpoint of being a, a crazy fan and uh, so I also hope that that chemistry you know between the two of us you know with your your acquired knowledge, I guess you could say, and also a much closer relationship that you have with the band because you've you've met them all personally. Yeah, uh, and then and and then also just the questions that anyone has to, or just any insights that people contribute to the show as well along the way. Um, yeah, my my part in this is purely just the fact that there wasn't already a Faith No More podcast and there needed to be one. So. I guess that's a good time to say that's how that's how we met. I knew about your book. I'd pre-ordered it. I reached out to you. Uh, I was looking for someone who might have the time and the, you know, the it's an ongoing commitment, obviously. And I was I was looking around for someone who might be interested. And I I purely reached out to you just to see if you knew someone because I'd seen the yeah. book. And I remember saying, I remember saying, thank you so much for writing this book, I'm really looking forward to reading it. Do you know anyone? And you said, what do you have in mind? And you suggested, um, you suggested a couple of people, but yeah. when I told you what I had in mind, you said, actually, you know what? I don't I'd want to interested. miss out. And,
1: you know, so yeah. F, was it formal Fear of missing out? That's me. Yeah. So. <laughs> and at that stage, I definitely wasn't, uh, i it says after a big pause, that emphasizes the fact that I wasn't that comfortable speaking, uh, on air but uh, that has changed over the last few months um, of interviews um, but w- one thing I'd, I'd like to say about yourself Mike but it also brings a little bit of uh, contrast and, and uh, helps complement us both is that you you have a musical background in that you, you play music and I think that gives a different insight and interpretation into some of the subjects we're going to be talking about as well um, because you know despite what I write in the book, I'm, I'm not a musical expert, so um, I, I, I can bluff it and blag it as well as anyone, but um, I think it's good to get the insight of someone actually knows what they're talking about when it comes to actually making music. Um, and, Mike, yeah. uh, and Mike, you've also got a lot more experience in listening to these type of band-focused podcasts, such as, I think, Metallica one, the Pearl Jam one, I think you've, you have, you've even reached out to them a little bit, Mike, I think
0: yeah the 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 metal up your podcast uh they've been a big inspiration for for, the, for the, my desire to want to do a podcast also the the single podcast theory I definitely wanted to give a shout out to those guys just in gratitude for even the format of the show that we're running it's been hugely inspired by the way those guys run their show and also alpha Vitalica. Uh I will link to it at some point on our socials but I was on an Alpha Metallica episode, uh, talking about the song "King Nothing." So, if you yeah. have any love for Metallica, anyone out there, definitely check out the Metal Uppy podcast, and Alpha Metallica, and yeah, Pearl Jam fans, single podcast series. Again, I think anytime we discuss anything, we can just link them in in our socials yeah. and things too, so that we can keep it moving. But um, yeah, and, and talking about being a musician as well is the the, the fact is, I first heard. Faith no more when i was 10 and they were very much a part in what had me want to ultimately become a musician you know the bands i was listening to at that time so not just uh, the musical insight that i might hopefully contribute with some value along the way but the fact that i was dissecting their music and learning their songs and me as a singer spent far too many years trying to imitate Mike Patton and he's one of the worst idols you could aspire to because his diversity and capabilities as a vocalist are so difficult to attain. Oh. Yeah, it's 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 funny that and guitar as well. My Jim Martin would have been one of my first uh major influences in the way I write and write and
1: record guitar parts. That's interesting. It's mm. interesting. I think we'll do a we'll probably do an episode dedicated to compare and contrast to guitarists, I think it'd be an interesting, uh, an interesting just from pure musical and tone and sound point of view. Um, somebody, has, somebody I never really explored in the book or haven't really in the, in in the blog before, but I think it'd be interesting to get your insight into that, Mike. Yeah, certainly the, the, the,
0: more from the songwriting perspective and the contribution they played musically between albums, It it's certainly noticeable, at least for, anyone who's paying attention to the guitars.
1: So you were you already into Faith No More at the, the 10, so I think that would have been around the real thing era, Mike? Would that, would that be right? Yeah, so
0: I got into Faith No More, it would have been 1990 when they released Epic as a single. It was on... I used to watch music TV religiously every Saturday and Sunday morning. Right. So on the ABC we had Rage and on channel 10 we had video hits that played soon after so there was a bit of an overlap and you could flick between the channels and watch whatever song you preferred. Yeah. and that's where i saw uh epic it's and epic. it was certainly that music video that yeah it, <laughs> it was and yeah. it stood out to me uh it just one pattern just looked you know for a 10 year old kid pattern just looks so cool
1: yeah
0: and you know with the, and his long long hair and jim martin just with his head down rocking. There were so many facets to that music video yeah. and just the colours and the the splashes and the spraying around. And it was just something that I just thought was the coolest thing. And when Falling to Pieces came out as a single and I saw that they were backing up what was already, a, you know, Epic being a great song, but Falling to Pieces backed up with a, another great song, that was what made me know that I wanted to go out and get that that album. And... I had some peers, uh, someone a bit older than me who I thought was pretty cool. He loved Faith No More and that made me want to dive in deeper. And from memory, the next step was actually Angel Dust. I didn't, yeah. I didn't go any deeper until uh, after Angel Dust when I was craving more material. And Angel Dust I didn't take too straight away. Like a lot of people, I found it a very hard listen. I loved Midlife Crisis and a couple of songs, but for the most part, I put the album down and it wasn't until peers through high school and uh especially one of my friends adopted metallica is his favorite band and another friend had pantera or nirvana as his favorite band and so i latched onto faith no more to be a little bit different and then i dove in more deeply and then i gave angel dust a really good go and started to find things about all the songs that really made it work and i, I like a lot of people it's it stands now as one of if not my favorite album one of my favorite of their catalog for sure and from there that's where the obsession grew uh, i could go on but that's 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 where everything i could get my hands on that was faith no more related from that point we're talking probably 93 i yeah. was 13 years old i yeah. was yeah obsessive from that point okay
1: yeah I think, I think i think that'll be quite a common experience i think an origin a discovery story for for our listeners i'd be interested to hear from people who were we got into fate more earlier, who got into fate more in the Chuck Mosley era. You know, there are I've met people like that who are a little bit older. What's interesting, I'd, I'd like maybe when we're when we'll probably have an episode dedicated to Chuck as well, I think it'd be good maybe to get someone from that generation from you discovered them in you know 85, 86, 87 to uh, yeah, to give them their perspective because I think we've got a similar perspective. We discovered them, I discovered again. I was a little bit older, I think, I was about 15 or so when I, and I think it must have been Epic or from I don't know where video I saw on, in the morning TV as you as you say as well in Ireland or um, probably MTV or the ITV chart show one or the other, um, and yeah, I was hooked as well. the the, the bright colours, the uh, you know the crunchy guitar, but something different. You know, I wasn't quite sure what it was, but it was something different, and I, I liked it. Um, then I, at that stage, I was hanging out with kind of a group of guys in there where we lived, and they were a little bit older, so a little bit, a little bit broader taste. or quite into metal, pure metal, and uh, I think after a while, the three the three groups united everyone. We all had kind of disparate tastes, but the three groups that united everyone were, were Guns N' Roses, Metallic and Fate No More. So uh, pretty soon, I was, I was watching, you know, listening to the, to the album quite a lot. Then we we would watch the the Live at Brixton uh, VHS tape. I think till it almost played out. At one of at one of my friends' house, we just watch it constantly. Because um, that's what you do when you're a teenager, I think. And then uh, yeah, then Angel Dust was the one for me as well. It was a clincher, uh, like yourself, Mike. Uh, for me, I, I don't remember. I don't remember there being a, a period where uh, I found it difficult. I know people say it's a difficult album. You said you had to set it aside. I, I mm-hmm. don't. Maybe it did happen. But I don't remember it now. To be honest. Um, I I saw Fighting More for the first time just before the album came out. They played the first date on the European tour with Guns N' Roses. They played in Slane Castle in Dublin. I think it was the weekend of my 18th birthday. And uh, yeah, and so I I, I might have known Midlife Crisis, I think, then the single might have been out. But you know, they started off with caffeine and stuff like that. I was hooked, you know, so I don't think they're getting the album then um, on cassette, I think it was. Um, I don't think, I don't, I don't think it was difficult. I don't think it was difficult for me to get into it, but yeah, that was the one that got me hooked, I think. And I think, at that stage, it kind of it was Guns N' Roses and Fate the More They were my two favorite bands, and there was, there was no one else. And sometimes it'd be fighting the More my favorite band, sometimes it'd be Guns N' Roses my favorite band. But they were, that was pretty pretty set for the next I know, five six years or so and so and I. I probably did, I probably wasn't, I wouldn't have never called me a, an obsessive fan around that time. Um, I think my fandom might have wavered a little bit by the time, uh, probably not King for Day, but definitely by the time album of the year uh, came around, I might not have been the most, you know, rushing out to get the album as soon as it came out and things like that, so. Uh, but that was, yeah, then I think, that, as you said, that I think the hiatus when there was nothing coming out, that he could, there was an opportunity to, to, you know, Dig dig deeper into their music and other stuff they're doing. I never got into Bungle that much, even at that time either, or, or their side projects, but I got more, more, di- more and more into Fate the More. And then, you know, they were, they were still, I still considered them my band, even when I wasn't, you know, when I was golf listening to terrible indie rock in the late 90s or terrible rock music in the 2000s, but uh, they were still my favourite band, even when, you know, they, they disappeared from view, probably like yourself.
0: Do you think the hiatus was healthy for their career
1: as a band? Uh, yeah, I think so. You look at look at how big they were, much bigger when they came back. I think than when they left. You know, the absence makes the heart go fonder, and it definitely did in their case. And I think if they had a kept, if they had on for another two or three albums, the freshness would have gone. I think you see it. There's not many bands who haven't had a break and came back, but the ones that have continued, they kind of, if you notice. If you look at festival bills, they're slightly you know further down the the lineup than they should be. Maybe like Alison Chains, I think they be one of them. Okay. I think even Smashing Pumpkins, who went away, but the, Billy Corgan kept coming back, doing Smashing yeah. Pumpkins albums that were just himself. I think he, I think you can harm yourself by doing too much. And I think it was, I think it was good for them as musicians and as people. Maybe it didn't need to be as long as it was, but it was long. And, but it, you know, it definitely, when they came back in 2009, they were they were a bigger band, a much more appreciated band, and uh, you know, so it definitely, it definitely was a career boost. Hiatus is a career boost.
0: Yeah, one of my one of my all time favorite bands as well is Caius. And what yeah. I respect about what what I respected about Caius was that they were making great music, and my understanding of them breaking up was probably would have had something to do with Josh Homme because I know that he's a bit of a character in terms yeah. of... I imagine he would be a difficult person to work with yeah. just from what I've picked up. I don't know anything directly, but they went out on a high. They went out and left a Legacy, and I was disappointed when Caius got back together and did the Caius Lives, yeah. and uh, I can't... The name's not coming to the top of my mind. Vistachino, I think, was their the, the project. They called Caius Lives after Josh Homme. Took out a lawsuit yeah. to ask them to cease and desist using the name, yeah. and they, to me, do exactly what going leaving the party on a high. And I, I think Faith No More left a legacy when they stopped in '98, where it left people still wanting. You know, they still yeah. wanted more. So exactly. when they did reunite in 2009, yeah. it was uh, people were ready for more.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that, I think that's definitely the case. Uh, enough, I was reading an article this week about uh, Chinese democracy. I think it's ten years. This ten years this week. I think since Chinese democracy came out, and um, the Guns N' Roses album. And uh, there was a good observation in it that said, if if that had been Axel Rose solo album, or if that had been the the album that the reunited Guns N' Roses who are touring and making fantastic money around the world with with uh, Axel Slash <laughs> and Duff if they if they come back with an album as good as that, there would be hailed as a triumph, and it'd be in all the, the you know the end of the year best album list. So I think I think you can harm yourself a little bit by by you know producing music when you don't need to produce music when there's not a demand for it. And I think you know I think Faith and War, I think the break done them well, and they came back and they've approached the way they've approached. I mentioned in the book as well, the way they approach the whole concept of a reunion and a comeback is different than almost any other band. You know. And it's, it can be a little bit frustrating for us. You know, they haven't done anything for for the last few years. But, you know, that's the only way it was going to work for them. And they've got complete freedom to do what they want, go where they, go where they need to go. There seems to be less pressure, less tension. And, you know, hopefully there'll be more good music to come.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, there was an article. We're, look, we're, we're moving into talking about Faith No More news now anyway. And there was an article that just Yeah, if I can if I just
1: interject, Michael, just to, we will have every episode, a little section called Fate the More News. Um, um, yes, yes. So we've, we've, we've moved on to it this week um, because just before we recorded, there, w- there was some Fate Not not every Not every week there is Fate the More news, but there has been some Fate no More news this week. Mike, let you return to what you were saying.
0: Well, I, I feel as though you might have more insight that what was shared... I can't remember the website now. There was an interview with Roddy Bottom and he said that anytime he's in San Francisco, he is jamming with uh, Mike Borden and Bill Gould and the three of them have been, he said that they've been regularly catching up and making music together and we all know Mike Patton's a busy man and essentially these guys will write some music. I don't know if John Hudson's going to be, you know, come back into the mix soon. But we know that basically they're going to write a handful of songs, present them to Patton, and I'm just spitballing. You're speculating a little bit there, yeah. I am totally speculating, but they'll eventually present a new platter of a new new buffet and assortment of material to Patton, and he'll grab hold of what he likes, and it'll be very much like Sol Invictus, and that's what I'm envisioning based off what Roddy Bottom said
1: in this interview. I said this story is a for me is a microcosm of how the modern media works. It's really strange. I, I spotted this interview at the start of the week. I think maybe Monday, or Tuesday morning this week, um, on the website. Actually, I, I found it on Twitter. The ring, the cage, and the stage. I think oh, just is really weird. This must be an old interview. When I, and, and then I listened to it, and the guy, Chandler Searles. Um, on his twitter page he, uh, that stage he had uh, a, a, no tweets and no followers so it was completely new something completely out of the blue which uh, was very surprising but then i quickly did a transcript of the interview as much as i was interested in i wasn't interested in what he, the Imperial teen stuff straight away i was interested in what he was saying about faith and more and uh, and i put it up uh, and you know roddy is not declaring anything in this interview as far as i'm concerned he, 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 <laughs> he's answering a question that comes actually from the final few pages of, of, of the book where you know I set the scene of them you know as we all know it was actually I think it was this day last year November 2017 there was a, the, the picture on Instagram of, of the three guys in the, in in their studio uh, or outside their studio walking together so he was asked about that he was asked about you know that it was reported in the book and then he, he went on to explain what they were doing he didn't I don't think he made any great uh, claims that there was stuff happening recently or in the last few months or that it was going to lead to an album, um, but people like to extrapolate from that. But uh, yeah, I put up the story. Um, then Jim from Fate No More Followers put up the story, and I think the next day, uh, the world's worst heavy metal clickbait site, Alternative Nation, picked up on it. I think Blabbermouth Band picked it up at the same time. And then everyone crying, Loudwire, tone deaf, even in Australia, everyone seemed to pick up on it then. Um, but and I, then
0: people like me uh, suck it into it.
1: Yeah, a lot of people. Said, oh, that's definitely that's going to be a new album in twenty nineteen. For me, he definitely didn't say there's going to be a new album. He said they're, they're doing stuff together, the three of them, as they always have done. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's quite as. Uh, unequivocal, as people are making out, you know. So uh, I, I don't want dampen expectations. I'm still hoping, and I still almost expect that something will happen. But I don't think I don't think anything is imminent. I think this has been spun out. Maybe this maybe reflects the hope, and maybe the desperation that you know the fans and, and even media have that the one fate the more the one more fate the one. There's a desire for it still there. So it's, a, it's a positive thing. But you know, in this era of Media misinformation. Be careful. We Look at the sources. Where do these things come out from? You know, Roddy did do an interview with this guy. He was quite candid in it, but I don't think Roddy actually said. You know, he only ever said we're going to. There was a new album coming. He said they're making new sounds. They're talking about new songs. Where that lead in the future? Who knows?
0: Well, Faith No More have never been a band to try and live up to any expectations. Right from the explosion of the real thing, they went straight to doing Angel Dust, which was an extremely polarising album. And then everything that they've done from that time, they've always gone against. And even with their live shows, they like to antagonise their audience a little bit. And even in delivering Sol Invictus, for most fans, it was unexpected. And when they first played Matador and didn't even tell the audience, Mm -hmm. this is a new song, they've never... They've never played up to any expectations so if they if they do ever release anything new it'll just always be a very welcome surprise
1: yeah it's, 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 I think there's a number of uh, angles there one they don't want to put any pressure on themselves um, you know yeah. they don't there don't have any label pressure they don't really mm. publicity pressure so they can do it on their own terms um, uh, and as you say, I think for some Invictus, you know, I think Bill's on record saying he didn't even tell his wife, you know. So, you know, they want, mm-hmm. they don't want to they don't want news to get out there until until they're ready, until they're they're in control of the situation. Which uh, I think, you know, I, I think when the first that people got excited about new music, I think was when they played at Hyde Park. So that was what July two thousand fourteen when they played uh, Motherfucker and Superhero uh, yeah, in, Lo- in London. I, that. Yeah. Uh, I think it was July two thousand fourteen. And then the album's out, what, the following May? So I think, you know, I I would say we're definitely, you know, I can't see an album coming any time until, you know, the end of 2019 or start of 2020. I I doubt we'll see anything before that. But, you know, they, they could have fooled us all. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Anything they get up to is, we won't know about it. And it'll be much like Sol Invictus that
1: suddenly there's a, it'll be a surprise i do like it that this wasn't a big set piece interview this wasn't you know rolling stone crying or anything like that or it was roddy talking to this guy and i'm to this guy's first interview he's put up on this site and it's got picked up by everyone um so well done him um yeah but it's a typical faith no more way of doing things as well
0: yeah definitely and is there anything else in the world of faith no more news
1: i think roddy's roddy's film Terror is coming out Next week, as we record this, so that's what's coming out at the start of December um, is is, mm-hmm. is is major film acting debut. Um, it looks quite interesting. It looks like a it looks like a, a similar film to that Get Out, the, the kind of quite popular movie from last year. Um, uh-huh. So that looks interesting. Um, Bill is finishing up with it with MC50 tour. I think his last date is this weekend again at the end the and December. you went you went to one of those shows I did you? yeah I was there last week mm-hmm. um, in, in Zurich great great show full of energy very vital um, great great bandies together Brendan Canty Fragazzi Kim Tail uh, um, and it's just a really really strong band and uh, I was lucky enough to to speak to some of them after the show and you know Wayne Kramer at 70 years of age, he was dynamic on stage and he was still full of energy. Backstage, as well. I had no idea he was that old. Yeah, so he's a you know he's wow. a he's a true rock and roll survivor and a you know, really really interesting. And it, as it wasn't a band I knew much about, MC5. I Obviously, knew their story, but I didn't, I didn't know much about the music. So I've been diving into their stuff and I really like it, especially uh, actually the second album. I like I liked the best, but uh, yeah, I think I think that's gone pretty well. I think. You know, like Roddy did mention in that interview as well that the that, that work is finishing or finished on an Imperial Teen album, which is going to come out sometime in 2019 as well. So I'd, ama- I'd imagine you know Phantom i have done, I've done things like this before, but I, I doubt there'll be a, an Imperial Teen album and a Phantom album, you know, in close proximity coming out. And no,
0: I've never I never dove too deep into the Imperial Teen catalogue. I. I did listen to the first album. Yeah, had the single "Your" one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is it is it a band that you have much love for? Or I, I like them, but I like I like
1: them, but I haven't again, as you said, I haven't listened to them that much. But I, I do like what I've heard. Um, I think I, I went through a, a long phase of making that sort of indie rock, indie pop. So uh, you know, I think if I had heard them just organically, but I, the Roddy connection, I probably would have been into them as well. So. Uh, Mm-hmm. yeah, I look forward to that one. I think, uh, I think Roddy's got a lot to offer still in, in, in that in that type of music as well.
0: Yeah, I'd be keen to check that out because Roddy's always had that pop sensibility, which is going to come up time and time again through this yeah. podcast. Yeah. Uh, and it's yeah, it's something that I'd... Especially when they don't have Faith No More as their outlet, it's cool to hear what they're doing with their other outlets. Yeah, and, you know, it was, it was, yeah, it was
1: pop, but it was you know, interesting... I don't know indie pop. There was, you know, was a bit of Pixies, there a bit of Breeders, a bit of you know interesting stuff going on. You know. mm. Nice. Anything else
0: for Faith I No think more news? I,
1: I did see that in Louder, which is the kind of website that brings together Metal Hammer, Classic Rock, and uh, Prog Magazine, uh, the big three UK magazines. They ha- they featured the real thing this week in their top albums of. 1989 There, one of those listicle articles um, I think right. that. and some some other listicle article featured angel Dust with the best rock gardens ever it could have been louder as well actually um but apart from that no it's uh, apart, from, apart from that story that we that i've tried my best to well, not debunk but you know contextualize that, that i think that's quite enough for this week really no, I,
0: I love that I had the reaction that most people had and then you were able to yeah. well,
1: deflate kind the, of deflate shut that down a little bit, bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, something that we want to do for every episode is also talk about what we're listening to in terms of new music and I know I have a lot that I want to share this week so I'm going to skim over it very quickly. Would you like to share first, Adrian, or should I
1: spit mine out? I will speak at length about Greta Van Fleet after you're finished.
0: <laughs> oh goody please do <laughs> it's not quite as topical as when we first tried to talk about no. it but that pitchfork article still uh, it'll always be topical still it'll always be topical <laughs> and the legacy that they leave for years yeah. to come yeah. mm. I'll start by sharing that uh, Richard Swift released it's his posthumous release he, uh, he unfortunately passed away complications due to alcoholism uh, earlier this year but his uh, posthumous release, The Hex, is going on at this stage to be my, my album of the year. It's uh, it's
1: just... Mike, going... we will do, hopefully, we'll do a, a, in one of these new music sections. We'll pick a top five. We'll put it in the socials as well, or top five or ten albums of the year um, as well. Yeah, but, good idea. Yeah. I'm going to have to keep
0: track because it feels like every week or two I've got so many new things I'm listening to and I I do actually keep a playlist of new music as I stumble upon it because it's so easy to fall in love with something and then then forget about it three weeks later when you're listening to something else. But Richard Swift, the hex, the production on it's phenomenal. He's a multi-instrumentalist. He's worked with a whole bunch of cool dudes in the past. Uh, I think Ryan Adams, Sophie Ann Stevens, no. uh, there was a couple of others that I was reading about, but yeah, definitely check him out. Uh, Damien Girardo has released The Horizon Just Laughed. That's been out a number of weeks now. That is a kind of, it's got a soul kind of vibe to it. He's He's got a gorgeous voice. That's a great listen. Definitely, definitely something that I could put on at 10.30 on a Saturday morning. Uh, Theodore, Inner Dynamics, definitely check out the song Disorientation. He's a Greek dude, actually. Right. Multi instrumentalist. No. You can hear his classical influences, I guess, but it's more atmospheric rock. I read him compared even to Pink Floyd, but there's like a Sega Ross, Radiohead, Nils Fram, if you're familiar with yeah. him as well. Really, yeah, really cool and a little bit different. But start on the song Disorientation and see what you think because it's. It, excellent something a bit easier to listen to sam fender he's released the dead boys ep he's okay. a young young english guy heard very, the name yeah yeah, yeah he's I, I believe he's also he plays guitar right but he's very he's got a jeff does he Fender? definitely i think so yes yeah. okay. I, th- I think so that's it's a fender strat that i've seen in his videos okay yeah uh, uh, city in color ryan adams i even heard a bit of a vibe of him okay. so good then. yeah easier like uh, easy sort of listening and the last one i want to mention is sun kill moon a, <laughs> yeah. couple, of, a couple of weeks ago released yeah. this is my dinner and i missed the sun kill moon boat i don't know how i did i caught I the end of the very very
1: end of it yeah he's yeah it's a, he's, he's alone to himself but yeah he's a little into himself you know he's alone um, a to I, I I like it. I like his I like his boxing references in his songs.
0: But uh, um, I, I I'm a new listener. I I just stumbled upon him. Actually, my my father, my parents have always been really uh, supportive with music, and my dad sent me one of well, his songs off this new album called Linda Blair. If you want an intro, an, a fast introduction uh, into the the weirdness, the quirkiness. And a direct experience of what Sun Kill Moon is all about. Check out the song Linda Blair. It's fantastic. Um, it's like an American folk rock is what I've written down here in terms of genre. But definite for me, it's definite nods to Ween and Beck. You know, music that doesn't yeah. take itself too seriously. It's it's got a, a easy easy to listen jazz kind of music with this stream of consciousness kind of writing no, style. Very. Yeah. very a little bit like King Missile as well in yeah. terms of the humor in I, there, but this is, yeah, odd, odd stuff. I
1: love it. I'll so I'll that's int- my share for the week. I'll interject two Fate more references to Sun, Kill Moon. Um, mm-hmm. the, actually, the only album I really listened to his, uh, in depth was that one he did with uh, Jesu in 2016. Um, Jesu, sure. Jesu being a project of uh, Justin Broderick uh, from Godflesh, who... Almost joined Fate No More one stage, or well, he turned down. Uh, he turned down joining Fate No More. Um,
0: oh, yep. Yeah, I, I I
1: think I recall that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, and then he, didn't Sun Kil do a? Didn't he do a song with Patton at one stage, or Patton did backing vocals on one of his songs?
0: Wouldn't surprise me. Was it? it uh, seems
1: uh, like the kind of yeah. thing
0: that, that, that bungle ish. did a version. They, they did a
1: version of, they did a version of uh, Young Americans um, in 2016 as well. Um, there you go see there's always a fate no more <laughs> it in we, we we will we will crowbar and shoehorn a fate more reference into anything we discuss um, the
0: six degrees of M. easily done i think especially with pattern yeah you have a lot there i was about to say i i used it i prior to starting this podcast i wanted to start one called the six degrees of pattern uh, maybe, maybe maybe that's a segment
1: that's a segment then okay we're gonna have the fate no more news We'd have our new music and we'll have the six degrees of mike and mike everything we should every new music i'm
0: sure we could tie six degrees we can like that we'll, we'll try to do that yep. yeah yeah <laughs> And well, that's me for this week adrian well as, yep. you know, as you know
1: pat is a passionate fan of 1960s 70s retro sounding uh loud guitar wailing vocals led zeppelin style music you know he's he's been he's Mm -hmm. he's on record as being a a huge fan of wolf mother the australian band um Uh uh the new wolf mother (laughs) now the the new led zeppelin and the new new wolf mother are greta van fleet um who people may be aware of uh they got a 1.6 uh review in pitchfork um for having the temerity to try to sound uh, like uh, Led Zeppelin I, I'm, always, I'm torn aggressive afraid I, I I've not, never been the biggest Led Zeppelin Led Zeppelin fan and you know I think this I think there's something odd and something backward looking about a band, a group of young guys I think they're in their late teens early 20s who are obviously being hand-picked and nurtured by a record company and management to appeal to 50 60 year olds you know as we, I think they call them in the UK 50 quid men guys who can afford to buy music who are who remember Zeppelin and Rush, I think, are also kind of been referencing this one, the first time round, and say, oh, let's, uh, you know, instead of listening to new fresh music, or listening to our old uh, Led Zeppelin vinyl, we'll listen to this. Um, I don't know, the new the new Led Zeppelin or Led Zeppelin Gold, who are great a fleet. So I I am a little bit weak Led Zeppelin cordial. Yeah, I'm I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, yeah yeah the, 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 the Led Zeppelin but the, the kind of the superficial elements of Led Zeppelin, but none of the essentials of, of Led Zeppelin, but. Um I, I'm also I've also side with them a little bit that you know just, I, I've, I've had my fill of 50s 50, 50 somethings giving out about them not sounding as good as a laptop and then just trying it. so I want them to succeed in a way as well but um yeah it's, it's, it's a tough one you know they've been successful the, the, obviously the record uh, industry um wants to or are trying desperately to get maybe a guitar band make guitar music relevant in in, in popular culture in, in, in the music industry again and and I think maybe the only way to do it is to you know go back and appeal to older fans with a old sound again or maybe the younger fans who never heard it the first time around um, and you know the album went into the top five so you know it's a successful album it's probably the m- most successful guitar rock album in the US charts this year so it's But worked.
0: see I don't care to rip on anyone or speak poorly about artists for the sake of just speaking poorly of them yeah but there's derivative you know lowercase derivative and then there's derivative in big bold giant letters and to me all they're doing is they've got a kid that sounds just like robert plant they've got a Mm -hmm. guitarist who plays with a sound that sounds just like jimmy page and props to them they're both good i haven't really noticed the bass playing certainly no john bonham on the drums no and it's it's so entirely derivative that there's nothing interesting or exciting or new about it, and it is just a watered down Led Zeppelin.
1: And to me, I just don't. Yeah, really for me, to if, you did, that music, if you did, go and revisit Led Zeppelin, if you're going to do it, you have to do it a certain amount of panache. If you're going to go back and and or and you know retool music from the past and make it sound fresh, you have to you know you either have to be a little bit tongue in cheek about it or you have to really you know. Mm. Uh, give it something give it something new. like for me you know when the darkness came out in 2003 with permission to land you know they were quite backward looking too they wanted to bring in a kind of like in a cock rock back as well but they did it with real gusto and panache and they had great lyrics and you know just a sense of humor and it worked um so it can be done you know um and you know there's, there's not so much fresh and new you can do but i think when you're uh, for me i worry about. The, ki- the kids are getting exploited to a little. I think I see them. I see Starcrawler as well, the LA band who are not not quite. They're maybe trying to get a late seventies, eighty sound of them. But again, you're very young kids. you probably don't really know the music and um, what they're supposed to sound like. There, there's a, there was a band in Ireland who, who they announced in the last few weeks that they were breaking up, um, and and. The, the, there were uh, the stripes, um I remember they, they came come out and everyone from Dave Grawl and Elton John and were getting behind them and they had a big record deal and everybody saying this is you know, this this is real rock and roll again and they were really they were very good they were they came out when they were like sixteen, seventeen, so they were that was the that was their selling point. There were these sixteen, seventeen old kids from a rural town in Ireland who were playing these old sixties and blues style songs, you know, Doctor feel good kind of stuff, you know. Um and they managed to get three albums out of it and they didn't really develop the sound maybe they moved it a little bit into towards arctic monkey sound but not and now let's say they're in the they're in the early 20s 22 23 and they've been cast adrift you know the music career is over i think some of them are going into acting maybe one of them is trying to do a solo project but i felt them and you know the parent the parents were quite into this music and uh, you know this dr feelgood that type of music and the people from that generation like elton john and they were like oh it's great to see this back again you know and I think they're they're tools of people's desires to ha- to have music and a music landscape like it was in the 60s 70s and 80s and you know obviously things have moved on you know pop music has won the, the war you know rock is, rock is lost um in and there's no need to, kind of, no matter how good a band even if Dead definitely come out now uh, you know the would they would never be as successful as they were then you know so things things have moved on and we don't need to ape it and but there is still good fresh guitar music out there if you you know look in the right places um, uh, so I'll trying to mention what other bands i have been listening to the, bi- the the big hyped act of this week which again is I think a land grab a little bit by desperate record companies mm-hmm. and and even rock journalists to make a uh, you know a guitar band relevant again is the 1975 I don't know if you know them Mike at all I
0: saw their name in a list this week that's as much yeah. as I know of them
1: yeah their mm. album their album this week is what's different noisy set what did they say there take a look the 1975's new album is a hopeful chronicle of our times um, and I think there's a bit of desperation here. you know I think they're talented but they're you know, they're a, an indie band with a bit of very pop sensibility who are going for big statements. They did their last album, they're definitely trying to do it in this album. You I know, mean, a lot of people are comparing a Doki computer. Mm. i really for me, it doesn't have doesn't have anything like that depth, but you know, it's, it's they're they're, they're aiming high. It'll probably be successful, mm. but it's been everywhere this week, it's been reviewed everywhere. You know, I think Pitchfork gave it a, like an eight and a half or something, so it's, it's okay. the best new album this week. So I listened to it a few times in a it's okay. It's good. It's, but it's this missing a certain, For me, it's missing a certain. It's for me, it's too slight for the ambitions to have. You know, it, it needs to have a bit mm-hmm. more, mm-hmm. a bit more to it. Um, but you know, maybe we're not the uh, the target audience. So you know, they, they, they're obviously they've got are the popular among the arbiters. Usually, the best arbiters of, of where music is going. They're popular among teenage girls. So uh, you know, maybe there is a uh, there is a future for them, but. This is their third sort of album. They're not as young as you would think, you see. The the there's the, a the song in the album where the, the lead singer Matt Healy goes on about uh, being the kind of the wise old age of twenty nine, you know. So they're they're, okay. they're young right. but they're not, you know. I don't know, we look back, don't what, kids. when was Patton twenty nine? I don't know. what, what was he? Phantomus, Yeah, exactly, uh, uh, it, you know. Faith No More yeah, broke so, up. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, you know, you, you, it's not, 20 is not that young in rock music, so, you know. And uh, I think... Sorry, that, I take that back. Patton broke up when...
0: Sorry, Faith No More broke up when Patton was 30. Yeah. He was uh, 98. Yeah, yeah, so,
1: you know, he's yeah, so. currently you know, on his belt at that stage. So, you know, they're not they're not that young. They are they're want to be, the, they definitely want to be the sound of the generation. Their, their, their ambition is... Admirable, um, mm. but you know, I'm not sure to make my end of the year list. But I've, I've listened to it a few times, and it's, you know, I, I, I want to I want it to be. De- I want to dive deeper into it and like it more. But it's just a little bit slight for me. I don't know. Um, so far, so. But it's not. They're not. You know. It's not guitar rock. It's one thing I will say about them is um, the they're not afraid to move from kind of genre and genre, genre to genre in style to style. Um, mm-hmm. Someone said. I one review I read that they were a perfect band for this generation, which are more more used to playlists as we all are um, than albums. So you know they've got five singles out before the album came out. So I think there's going to be twelve tracks on it, and you can kind of pick and choose what you want in a kind of p- typical playlist style. so some people said that's why they're a band for now. I I, said, I heard someone when they were reviewing the book saying they fighting them more actually with the with the original band like that, you know, a playlist or a shuffle band because they could. You know, move so many different genres, and mm, but mm. I think that, I they'll find more able to put together a more coherent album. But yeah, they're, they're interesting. Uh, I, I like when I, I'm always interested when the record company rules uh, or the record industry and their kind of cheerleaders in, in, in music writing um, kind of rolling behind the, the next big thing. Uh, look, that was Gre- Greta van Fleet in the US since 1975. Now uh, it's just interesting to see where they go and you know, where is this desperation coming from. But, and the thing is, there are there is good origin music coming out there anyway. You know, I don't know if you mentioned we mentioned. I, I saw Idols last week in the, here in Switzerland as well. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And it was a you know it was an amazing live show. I think that's probably one of my uh, one of my favorite albums of the year as well. It's just punk. that's very relevant. You know, it's songs about Brexit. there's songs about mental health. there's songs about you know it's just it's uh, songs about immigration. Probably the best. Uh, immigration song Danny Dilla, Danny Nadelco that I've ever heard so there, there is still urgent guitar music out there um, I, I don't think record companies have to try as, as hard as, as they are or, you know with the 1975 and with Grana Fleet.
0: I haven't given the new Idols album much of a go but I really like the last one does the new album hold up as strong yeah. because the last <laughs> one felt felt like they were thriving on the last album they was,
1: it sounded like they were possibly peaking yeah and I think the I think this one is a, a step above again. They've definitely upped their game on okay. this one. Yeah, it's more coherent. The vision, the vision is there. Um, I I really like the last one as well. But I think this is. I, I, I kind of I was standing watching them, and I said, "There's always that moment uh, in a band's career, and it only lasts for a very short time. It's kind of like a shooting star. When I say, this is the time to see idols now. This is their moment. You know, this is at their peak. They're, they might have more commercial success, this, but this is, they'll never be as vibrant and as exciting as they are now. And I think, you know, maybe when. The, I compare it to when you know, maybe when Father over at Metallica um after they finished recording the real thing and it hadn't quite taken off. And they were on that maybe that Vavoid Soundgarden tour as well. You know, that you, there's a there's just an excitement that builds a bit of band and around the times like that and, and I think it's Stephanie that Stephanie there with idols now, so yeah. I'm, I'm still listening to the album quite a lot. Nice. And I would be listening, I think you made a rec- recommendation, We might be listening to Daughters, you um, don't have to go back into them again, but yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a, it's a great yeah. album, and as you said, it's one you have to really actively listen to. Which uh, well, this is where our
0: chronology's out, because we've already <laughs> recorded episode two, and I give Daughters a, a mention on that episode, so, yeah, space-time continuum thing happening right now. We're just trying to confuse you,
1: really. <laughs> who, who else have we listened to? Have we listened to, I listen to a lot of Irish music, actually. Um But a lot, actually, more singles and albums. There's some really good. uh, There's a few bands. Got a female-fronted band called Bitch Falcon. I think they're going to be very big next year. They've signed to quite a big management company. So expect them when their new album comes out. To to I couldn't tell if you just said Pitch Falcon. Sorry, I said Bitch Falcon. Sorry, it's not the greatest name in the world, but that's. uh, um, (laughs) There was, yeah, a band called Elephant. um, Another Irish band i think you would like that actually it's kind of good uh it's good headphone music I
0: can, okay I remember the, t- well, the title of it what i'd
1: like good. to do
0: is get from you the the links to all these bands and on our socials especially probably just facebook feed yeah we'll share all of these bands that we're mentioning yeah. and any also any listeners that want to share new insights and recommend things to us as well We'd I'd, I'd be encouraging that
1: yeah I'll go back and I'll just mention them now I think it's just to sum up I mentioned great and Fleet I mentioned the, the, uh, I just wanted to say that again for you I mentioned the 1975. I've mentioned Bitch Falcon I mentioned Adels and I mentioned Elephant um, I think all worth checking out cool sure. nice on... I'd, I would like to as well there's a
0: I'd call it sort of indie pop Australian indie pop uh it's a it's an old friend of mine and she goes by the name of sparrows and i definitely want to give it it's it's not the kind of music i'd normally listen to but i gave it a go the other day and the production on it's fantastic it's very whispery kind of female vocal very catchy very hooky um okay but yeah give a give sparrows a listen to if you're into something a little bit just more accessible easy to listen to very sort of we've got triple j radio here in yeah in in it's the triple j is all the new all, well it's part of the abc it's all the new music and uh, they've they've been giving her a bit of attention lately so there's a bit of a stir um well, I i can see a bit of a stir happening That's around good. sparrows right now which is really nice so
1: great yeah uh, i think we'll get back into chronology the next time um, and maybe we might do we might look at our top five top ten albums of the year mike maybe that, yeah. i think we probably mentioned some of them already but we're getting we're getting to that part of the year yeah the lists are coming out. The lists are coming out, yeah.
0: So, Adrian, next episode, which is already recorded, we're talking about the real thing?
1: Yes, in great, great detail.
0: Yeah. <laughs> in phenomenal detail. Yeah. And as we go deeper, we will be sharing what the next episode will be and really encouraging people to write in and share their insights of whatever the topic of the next episode is so the real thing's already been recorded however um we will be announcing the next episode to follow that one uh, in time so please get us on the socials i think i think we can we can wrap it up here can't
1: we yeah it's uh, yeah it's really good to get the uh, the podcast up and running and i look forward to uh to hearing from our listeners because uh, you know, next it is to talk to you, Mike. It's good to actually get some other perspective as well. <laughs> yeah. And ditto. Thank you. <laughs>
0: uh, okay, so our email is podcastcroissant at gmail.com. The Instagram, podcast croissant, Facebook is the same. Twitter is podcroissant, and they're all completely inactive at the moment, but we will be adding things to them very soon. You've been listening to
1: Podcast Croissant. This is Mike. And this is Adrian Sin. Introduce yourself right on.